tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag Show. How you doing, Marky Mark? So far, so far. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Welcome man. to Monday. Yeah. Last week, AT&T had this huge um, out problem mm-hmm. with the internet. Yeah. In our, I don't know all the areas because I don't really care. You know, when you look up something, you look at yeah. the map and you're going, here's where I live. Now, I mean, I'm not like only about us, but yeah, yeah, man, yeah. you know. When we, we actually, um, a couple of years ago, when everybody was talking about cutting the cable from, you know, for TV... Um, we had to get used to watching television differently. Took a little time and I'm still not good at it. Okay. Yeah. But, um, we actually use AT&T for, uh, just for internet, internet yeah. only. Okay. Right, yeah. Cause I was using cable cause cable internet, it was just faster and better for yeah. me, but it kept getting more and more expensive to the point where you get a, you know, they all do. Yeah, they do. You know, no matter what service you're with, eventually you get it. You get a $300 bill before the year is out, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So we, it's funny. The, the, the cable companies learn something from drug dealers. Oh, just try this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. It only takes one. That's right. But anyway, long and short of it is we finally got, I'm just using an AT&T just for the high speed business internet thing. Right. And cause I'm online for business all day. Anyway, it went out oh. uh, Thursday night yeah. or thir- late Thursday afternoon. Actually, yeah. this is why and, we weren't here Friday, by the way. Right. Is, yeah. And I usually have, um, I, I used to have one of these on my phone, you know, where you create a Wi-Fi hotspot yeah. and it would serve as a backup. But when the internet is down, my life stops and yeah. I couldn't, I mean, I'm like, I got to figure this out. That's why we weren't on because Friday yeah. when I got up and still didn't have internet, yeah. I do have, um, I have other obligations outside of this show, right? That um, yeah. <laughs> they they involve a bunch of other people and a network. And if your internet's that, not up, you're getting in the car and going to Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. Right. Which yeah. is what happened. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. so anyway, the long and long of it all is that uh, I got this Wi-Fi hotspot on my phone. Well, I couldn't get it to work. <laughs> and one thing with my iPhone. <laughs> I got this iPhone. I, I chose an eight plus several years, a couple of years yeah. ago. Cause that's what I wanted. Yeah. And I bought it, even though there were other models, I bought the eight plus. It just works for me. Right. Anyway. So I can't get, I've paid for the hotspot. Everything's done. And I'm like, what the heck? So I have to get on with support. Now, you know, first things first, if you have to call customer support, which now they direct <laughs> you to do everything yourself online, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. And so the, one of the things, if it's not working, you need to go to the office and you know, where you go to a cricket office, I use cricket by the way. Yeah. Uh, cricket is AT&T. It's a generic or not generic. It is the, it gives you all the stuff AT&T does, but at a much reduced price. Right. Um, it is a non-contract thing. And I guess there are some drawbacks to it, but for what I get out of it and for what I use out of it, I save myself. Cause again, our inner, our, our AT&T stuff before was in the $400 a month range. Yikes. So we were able to get our internet down to 69 bucks a month and right. all of our phone stuff to $80 a month Yeah, for everything we want. Yeah. So going down from almost 700 a month between the two, I'm down to 120. Okay. Yeah. Or 140. Right. Long story short, I end up, I go to the store, but they're getting ready to close. And she goes, I can't help you. You know, I got this guy first and I, she goes, I can't, it's not that I can't help you because of the time but I'm going to end up having to call customer support because I don't, I've just told you everything I know about your problem, Mm. which was nearly nothing. 
Yeah. I kind of assumed that because if you ever go in, you know, they get on their little thing where they talk to somebody just like you would do at home. That's right. Yeah. So I'm in the car on the way home and I get on customer support. Of course, they put me on hold with really bad music and (laughs) a a really loud DJ. Let me tell you about the next big deal we've got. (laughs) It's like a guy that his dentures are too big for his mouth and he's puking, man. I just, I am Johnny Dime. And I love me. I love how the digital networks uh, mash up the music too because it's do 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 so I'm on that for 20 minutes. Finally, this guy comes on, and English is not his first language. Oh, I love that. And I have a problem with people with heavy accents. And I told him, I said, um, if I, I'm not being rude, but you might have to repeat yourself. And what I always tell them you now is I'm hard of hearing. I am not hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. I just have trouble with accents. Yeah. And so I tell him that ahead of time. You don't have to yell. Just be clear. That's all. And this guy walked me through a couple things. And, Mark, I reset my phone. And it worked. Wow. Okay. But here's the other thing. He walked me through this in about 30 seconds. I've had this phone two and a half years. I've been trying to get this one thing fixed because the Mm -hmm. Bluetooth on it has never worked. Yeah, yeah. But I liked the phone, and it didn't really impact my life for what I use it for. It's a tool. Yeah. But after I did all that, my Bluetooth worked. That's amazing. Yeah. So now everything on my phone works the way it's supposed to. That's awesome. Did you get his name yeah. so you can ask for him the next time you need it? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got his name, and I actually, you know what, though? I was so excited because uh, when I did the reset, it, of course, cut our phone conversation. And right. after waiting 25 minutes to get somebody, he was like, I will call you back, okay? Do yeah. not worry. I will call you back. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, sure and, you uh, will. And he yeah. did. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they need, those people that you talk to at customer service, they need you to write something. Because you know, they'll send you a text the next day, how was your service, right. how was your yeah. guy. yeah. And so I did all that, gave him tens on everything, and then I wrote a quick email to his supervisor saying, this is what your guy did. That's awesome. Yeah. Good so stuff. It was nice. So, yeah, everything works the way it's supposed to, which, again, now, here's the thing. I was thanking them, okay, for fixing something that should have never <laughs> been a problem. Right. Yeah. It was a brand-new phone I bought from them. It did not work the way it was supposed to. <laughs> And I'm thanking them for allowing me the opportunity to spend a day, you know, <laughs> multiple hours dialing, you know, right, you see what yeah. I'm thanking them for. Yes. I'm thanking, I'm kissing their tail for, te- uh-huh. for for selling me a bad product to start with. The next yes. thing you'll be coming out of Walmart and thanking the, the security person at the door for letting you check out your own groceries. <laughs> yes. And for then treating me like a criminal as I walk by. radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and hey man throwing this out there the headline says world's tallest woman and i'm wondering is this a guinness book of world records tallest woman she is she is a guinness Ah. but it's not okay it's not a girl she's not setting a record she's not setting a record so she doesn't get the uh, she doesn't get the the sounder this time sorry okay yeah but she is in the guinness world record book because she's the tallest woman in the world and Mm -hmm. she was given the opportunity to fly on an airplane for the first time in her life after turkish turkish airline staff moved six seats to make way for her Mm -hmm. she's a tall person a uh Rumesa Gelgi 
who was uh, he's, she's held the Guinness World Record since 2014 for her seven foot height, excitedly boarded the 13 hour flight on Turkey's flag carrier airline. The 25 year old usually transports around with her wheelchair because she suffers from a rare genetic disorder called Weaver syndrome, causes rapid growth. The Turkish world uh, record holder flew from Istanbul to San Francisco thanks to Turkish wow. Airlines removing six plane seats to accommodate her unusual length. Imagine she sits down. Yeah. You, you you couldn't put her in a standard row. You know, you just couldn't. You couldn't even put her in an exit row. She's too right. tall. Um she announced her uh, the news for the first uh, for her first airline trip on social media to her 19,500 followers saying a flawless journey from start to finish this is my first plane ride but it certainly won't be my last a heartfelt thank you to each and every person who has been part of my journey <laughs> Good luck with getting that same kind of treatment here in the States. Just yeah. throwing it out there. They're not going to, why would, they're going to remove six seats for her. I'm like, wait, okay, I get it. She's seven feet tall. Right. So what? She's 10 inches taller than Mark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Mark. <laughs> or less. Yeah, right. she's, she's, she's 11. Inch, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, so really, you know, six plane seats. I mean, come on. It, it's seven foot. I get it. You're tall, but mm -hmm. come on. I'm six foot. Mark's over six foot. You're only dealing with a foot or less of space. And I, it, you're going to give me, you know, mm. anyway, the last time I flew, I wish they would have taken seats out for me. It seems to <laughs> it's, it really does seem to me that the seats are getting narrower and the spaces yeah. between them front to back are getting tighter. And that's because we're getting fatter. radio.fm the mark and mag show and you know after having the uh almost guinness book of world records story i'm going to be honest <laughs> during the music i told mark we got to find one i'm kind of jones and i got to hear our guinness book of world records jingle well you know? all righty then what is that it's, it's a major award shucks i wouldn't know dad it looks like a lamb a trade expo for the funeral industry in south africa broke an unusual guinness world record when 122 hearses participated in a parade. What about hymns? <laughs> the Funerex Africa Expo gathered the vehicles at the uh, Kialami Grand Prix circuit track in Santon to break the Guinness World Record for the largest parade of hearses. Organizers said there were 123 hearses at the event, but uh, one of them failed to start because of technical problems. <laughs> There's always one. Yeah. The hearses involved in the parade range from decades old black cars to the newer white models. So, the Funerex Africa Africa Expo, Mark, you yeah. now cannot make fun of CrimeCon. <laughs> and you've got a con for, you know, <laughs> for hearses and hymnses. There you oh, go. Oh, my goodness. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark earlier when i was talking about the phone thing that i was having uh yeah. which wasn't really a phone thing it was just really and truly just a setting issue which yeah, was yeah. really cracking me up but um i want to know what I, that was now because you and i've talked about it a couple of times and yeah. every time i suggest something it's you always come back with yeah i did that <laughs> yep <laughs> and what it what it amounted to and it's why there is a reset button on the phone you just have to know how to get to it right that's what it amounts to. Oh. And 
Yeah, because sometimes things get hung up, and if you do, you just have to do a reset. Just yeah. like you know, when yeah, you, yeah. any way you look at it, it works, and I don't care. But here's something I found out because during the course of this, because I am, I'm a history freak nut, you know, wacko nut job, you, you know, conspiracy theorist and all that. No. But in 1953, okay, in 1953, uh, the Associated Press ran an article, and it said there will be no escape in the future from telephones. This was this article that was released that went around the, you know, the world. Yeah, yeah. And it was out of Pasadena, California. And it says this. The telephone of the future? Mark R. Sullivan, San Francisco president and director of the Pacific Telephone and Telegraph Company, said in an address Thursday night, just what form the future telephone will take is, of course, pure speculation. Here's my prophecy. Now, again, remember, this is 1953. Yeah. In its final development, the telephone will be carried about by the individual, perhaps as we carry a watch today. It probably will require no dial or equivalent, and I think the users will be able to see each other if they want as they talk. Wow. Who knows? It may actually translate from one language to another. Now, is Mark R. Sullivan actually a time traveler? who was back in 1953, or was he just way ahead of his time? <laughs> or wow. is this the guy that Steve Jobs, you know, met when he was a child and then kidnapped him and held him in a cave somewhere? <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> all of this came to pass. There you go. And this is in 1953, so. Wow. Isn't that interesting? When that you think crazy, about, yeah. you know, you, when we, in 1953, there were some people that still had a dial phone where they, you know, they picked up the phone line, had a party line where there's several other people on it. Or yeah. you had, Sarah, get me Mark. You yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Prediction. And which goes back to the world of tomorrow at Disney, all the things that they would show, you know, that was one of my mm -hmm. favorite things to do yeah. at the original Disney uh, park in, in Anaheim, California, the world of tomorrow. Right. Because it showed things then that were just amazing yeah. and still does, I guess. Yeah, I not as much as there there used to be, and that's yeah. actually one of the things uh, that long term old school Disney fans are not mm -hmm. happy with with their parks is that they specifically like at Epcot. I see mm -hmm. I see a lot online people griping about Epcot is 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 totally gone. It's not what Epcot uh, uh, what what Walt's dream yeah. of Epcot was supposed to be. Right, and uh, and it's true. Right. It's because there used to be. There used to be pavilions you could go into, which mm -hmm. showed you these are the cutting edge things that are happening right. and could be in your home next, mm -hmm. and things and see, like that. And those are all gone. Thing, yeah. When you look at this from 1953 and predicting basically, you know, the the Apple Watch, you know, the smartwatch, yeah. yeah. You know, but it, you know, what would be interesting now is uh, is to go back to those things in Disney back in time. You know, like in 1970, what was the future going to look like, kind right, of thing. Yeah, and see what we matched up to. Kind of like going back and watching Back to the Future Two. Yeah. to see the year 2015 and realize that those hoverboards were invented and they still are in a, they're in a warehouse outside of Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Go look it up. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, there are movies that are classics, legendary that, uh, I still haven't seen. Yeah. And one of those, E.T. Oh. I've never seen E.T. Yeah. yeah. I, 
I don't, I'm not sure how well it holds up today because I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. You know, I might, maybe I should go, go grab a copy and watch it, but I, I, I have seen it once. And mm-hmm. if I've only seen, if I've seen a science fiction movie once, that should tell you, eh, you know, because <laughs> I will go back right. and watch science fiction movies again and again, because that's mm-hmm. just kind of my little bailiwick. It's yeah. my little thing. Right. Right. And it's, 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 yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll tell you this though. Universal uh, studios in Orlando, ET, the ride is, as far as I know, is the only surviving original attraction from when that park opened. It's still <laughs> there. Oh, fine. They haven't. Maybe they can move that to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, officials with the uh, Fitton Center for Creative Arts in Hamilton said they arrived at their facility to find the sculpture first ride. It's a it's a it's a statue of a young boy riding a bicycle with the help of his dad who's standing behind him. This statue had been redecorated to recreate a scene from the 1982 Steven Spielberg film E.T. The boy was dressed up as Elliot, played by Henry Thomas in the film, and a homemade E.T. in a milk crate was was attached to the handlebars. The father was dressed in a hazmat suit representing the government agents who pursued the boy and his extraterrestrial friend. Fitton Executive Director Mackenzie Thurley said on the center's website, this is amazing. When I was driving into work this morning, I noticed the red jacket and thought, that's nice. Somebody put a raincoat on the rider. But when I got closer, I saw the whole thing. I almost swerved off the road. Mackenzie Thurley (laughs) said there are security cameras outside of the center, but officials have no plans to unmask the pranksters. Quote, honestly, I wish we'd thought of this ourselves. This is so, (laughs) this is so, so good. Just wonderful. I feel like we won Halloween. (laughs) Mackenzie Thurley said pranksters previously dressed the same sculpture up as a scene from the movie adapt uh, adaptation of Stephen King of a Stephen King novel called it last year. Man, I remember when that came out and man, the nerds freaked out because they thought it was about IT people. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. Just cruising along, singing a song side by side. <laughs> All right, Mark. We just had the story a little bit ago yeah. about uh, the Fitton Center yeah. uh, for Creative Arts in Hamilton, uh, kind of a college-oriented uh, bit there. And so to see another one right back-to-back makes me think, I could see you and I pulling all these things off, okay? <laughs> Doing the statue, making it into something, I got yeah. you. you know, yeah. that, well, a lot of people would go, oh, those guys are so, yeah, that, that you and me just sitting there doing the show one morning going, hey, why don't we go to that statue tomorrow? Or, yeah, you know, That's right, and, yeah. Let's dress them up. <laughs> that's our conversation during the music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not really that big of a deal. And then I saw this one and I thought, you know what? I remember a guy when I was in college, okay, and, and it wasn't me that actually did this pretty much oh but he my. did it for yeah it, it's it's funny so check this out and see if you remember somebody from your college days that did something just not quite right a man pretended to be a student and lived in several stanford university dorms for at least 10 months according to a university official <laughs> the university's department of public safety cited the man for violating the law the first time he was found living in a dorm in december of 2021 but that didn't deter him 
Since then, the campus police officers have obtained multiple stay-away letters, a prerequisite to citing someone for trespass on campus, <laughs> but they weren't able to locate the man until last Thursday when they gave him a stay-away letter and removed him from campus. The university wow. has protocols and policies to prevent non-students from entering and living in the dorms, but that the man's persistence and ability to integrate himself with our student community has made it clear that gaps exist in those protocols, mm-hmm. they say. Um, so hang on a second here. Something just popped up in front of my stuff. Um, some staff in individual dorms were notified of the man's presence, but there were no broad communications about him to all Stanford residences, says Stanford's, uh, Stanford spokeswoman, Dee Mustafi. And she said the university will review its procedures to prevent such an incident from happening again. Yeah, you won't. Yeah, right. Yeah, there'll be a meeting. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, the thing is, okay, here's the bottom line is that you've got a guy. He is, according to the article, ingratiated himself to students, meaning he's made friends. Right. So he has friends there on campus. Sure, you can crash. You know? Yeah. That's really what it amounts to. Yeah. And I remember I've told you before that I didn't do the dorm thing in college. I, I went to visit a friend of mine that lived on the dorm because I was thinking about it. Yeah. And I went and this was somebody that I knew from high school. He was one of the smartest people I'd ever met. And I thought, you know, for me, I'm not the most disciplined guy. And I thought it would be a good thing for me to be around somebody who's very smart and who studies, you know, you, you, if you're really smart, you study. I mean, that kind of goes with it. Right. Right. And I thought having that, and I am competitive. So I thought if I was competing with somebody who was studying and becoming excellent at this, you know, academically, that'd be good for me. I went to his dorm and it was Mark, it was the last days of Caligula. I just was like, I don't think so. You know, this, this is not for me. Right. Yeah. It was, and the thing was, that was just his room and he was the smart guy. So imagine what it was like for the others. And it was just who, who actually lives in this room. And I'm not kidding. My buddy goes, I don't know who's assigned to this room, dude. We just like it here. So that's, that's how you can funny. end up staying in the dorm that's for a long funny. time with nobody knowing, you know? <laughs> That that makes me think of uh, of last week's, not this week's, last, wait, no, week before last, young Sheldon. And I know you haven't seen it. No. Uh, Sheldon is now, he's staying in a dorm on campus because he's, what, he's 12 and he's going to college, something like that, you know? And he's... Uh, He's, he's sick and tired of the of the the lifestyle inside the dorm, and they make him mm-hmm. the dorms RA, the room oh. advice, the, the the head guy wow. at the door. Right? I'll just say it ends up with him duct taped to a wall. It's yeah. precious. I'm, <laughs> he's lucky it was the wall. Yes. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and you know Mark. I don't. Did I send this story to you last week of saying, "Hey, did you know this was real?" No, you texted me about this. Okay, so can you believe this? Is this a sport? You know, I thought it was a joke. I yeah. really did. I think I've heard people talking about. I've I've watched as this has grown into when you walk into Walmart now, you see these whole packages, you know, yeah. of you know play, and I'm like, really, this is something that I didn't know had become. A real thing. I right. just didn't. So yeah. here we go. And by the way, who came up with the name? I don't know. I All really right. don't know. But a cheating scandal, which is being called Baggate, has sent shockwaves across the professional cornhole world. 20 years ago, if you had asked me, do you think we'll ever have a professional cornhole world story? I would tell you, Mark, there's no such thing 
and never will be such a thing as professional cornhole. Right. Hey, guess where you watch it. Live from Las Vegas, it's the Las Vegas International <laughs> Dodgeball Open here on ESPN 8, the Ocho. Yes, Ocho. the Ocho. That's right. <laughs> the controversy sparked in August at the 2022 American Cornhole League World Championships in South Carolina. Devin Harbaugh filed a formal complaint against cornhole players Mark Richards and Philip Lopez, claiming the number one ranked doubles team used illegal bean bags. Harbaugh asserts, I thought the bags were too thin. A $15,000 purse was on the line in the game where competitors tossed bags filled with resin beads into a hole on standard bo- uh, slanted boards, which are approximately 27 feet apart. Approximately? There's money on the line? Approximately? <laughs> After the complaint was lodged, officials performed a bag inspection. However, Lopez and Richards also wanted their opponent's bags to be inspected as well. Turns out none of the players competing were using regulation-sized bags. <laughs> officials ultimately determined the violations were not intentional and allowed the content uh, contest to continue <laughs> the infamous incident now known as bag gate has sparked conversations about implementing more strict regulations to prevent the use of non-compliant bags one commenter on the addicted to cornhole facebook page it's got eighty-five thousand members said I think it's funny that anyone believed it would be all friendships and rose petals forever in cornhole. Now the dirty wow. underbelly is being exposed. Oh, my. Mark. Okay. Here's a couple of suggestions. One, I think if you're going to play cornhole, you ought to have to play it on a neighborhood street with somebody watching out for cars. Uh, time, car, you know, and move everything out of the way and bring it back. But second of all, bringing your own bags, that's like yeah. bringing your own baseball to a baseball game it and using is. it. Has, That's nuts. has no one learned any lessons from professional sports? Oh, apparently not. But <laughs> at least we know what happens to wrestlers when they retire, you know? <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And a friend of mine on uh, Facebook, I'm not kidding, Mark. Uh, David Cawthorn, I know he won't mind me saying this because David and I have known each other since high school. We went to Boys State together. Okay? Wow. If it's something you do between your junior and senior year, uh, boy, they have, used to have Boys State and Girls State. But anyway, David and I went to that and became pals. And he uh, has just been one of those guys that I've kept in touch with over the last many years. It's where Facebook actually comes in handy, you know, keeping yeah, up with yeah. people that you've, anyway. But he posted a picture um, and it was of his shed in the backyard. And he said, this is a picture of my Christmas tree. It's still out in the shed because it's November. That's where it belongs, you know? You know, people are posting things on November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd about yeah. their trees and all that. I, know, and I just yeah. thought that was hilarious That's because awesome. there was a time when you did not put your tree up until Thanksgiving week. And That's then, awesome. you, you know, you put it up on Friday, either before <laughs> you went out shopping like crazy or after you got back. That was what the old schedule was. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> when I see fun. a... St- when I see a story about a Christmas ornament right now, it just cracks me up. Well, these two, they're two ginormous Christmas ornaments. They're a lot larger than your average car. Huh? I, I've seen this video, by the way. It's hilarious. Okay. They've been spotted tumbling through central London. These decorative balls, gigantic things. They were seen flying down what appears to be Tottenham Court Road, bouncing into the path of oncoming traffic. One of them 
was filmed hitting a lamppost and that and when it did it's like its entire skin just shattered and fell off of it it's just it's amazing it's unclear where they escaped from but as they rolled down the street drivers were filmed having to take evasive action to dodge their ricocheting path that's funny i gotta look that up now it is hilarious it looks like two ginormous like weather balloons or something they're silver (laughs) shimmering Mm -hmm. bouncing down the street it's just it's incredible did hey. they cause damage to any cars? You know, no, they were they're big okay. rubbery things. I think I I don't wow. think they're not hard. <laughs> you know, but right, <clears throat> but they had some sort of a silver, like a mylar skin or something stretched over the outside of them, and one of them hits a lamp post and it shreds it on one edge and it just 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 disappears, <laughs> just vanishes into pieces all over the place. <laughs> all right, it's an awesome video. The Mark and Mac Show. LifeRadio.fm, it's the Mark and Mac show, and every now and again, a headline just owns me for some reason, and this is one of those, okay? Here's what it says. Connecticut school's corpse flower blooms emits foul smell. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, so, again, we know the corpse flower blooms. We know this now. I mean, this is something that we have... In the, I'm trying to think of, you know, did we really know about it very much before the internet, you know, and I don't know, I'll have to ask Al Gore about that, but I, I don't think we knew that much, you know, it's right. like there would be a story in the local paper about avoid, you know, here's the stench or whatever, but right, yeah. anyway, this one just owned me because in my head, what I saw, Connecticut School for Corpses stinks. That's what, <laughs> when I read that, that's what in my head was explained that. Anyway. Well, duh. So, well, when you read something, you know, and you right. know, do you, I mean, like you read the things, but you're, I immediately start picturing something. Right. I don't know if everybody does that, but I do. <laughs> That's funny. And anyway, so here we go. The stinky plant again. Eastern Connecticut State University's corpse flower bloomed for the first time in years, releasing its famously foul stench for only a brief time. Thank goodness. The flower, mm-hmm. nicknamed Ray by ECSU, bloomed last week at the Willimantic School's greenhouse. Brian Connolly, an assistant professor of biology at ECSU, said Ray came to the school in the 1990s and took about a decade before blooming for the first time. He said the plant now blooms every few years, but the spans in between blooms are difficult to predict. He says the bloom will only last for about 48 hours. Uh, he, he told the Hartford, Hartford Current, quote it's so ephemeral it's a real treat when it happens it's basically a surprise and it only lasts 24 to 48 hours and then it's gone the school started doing daily live streams from ray of ray on youtube when it became apparent the plant was about to bloom Connolly said the unique event emitted by a uh, unique scent emitted by a blooming corpse flower resembles quote a combination of a dead mouse a rotting cabbage and sewage end quote <laughs> Wow. It's a real I wish treat. We could bottle that. <laughs> bottle it and sell it. Stinky flower from Mark and Mac. Oh my goodness. Life radio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And you know, Mark, in this day and age where we um of our people of our generation tend to look back on things and I don't know if it's um I don't know why we are the way we are. But it's like nostalgia for toys and things like that and restaurants in the 50s and 60s that maybe we, you know, went to as children. Yeah. And 
So whenever I see a story about the original, whatever, you know, the like, all right, I ate at the original McDonald's, that right, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't know that I ever ate at that one. I know that I went to it, but I cannot remember if I actually, as a child, went. You know what I mean? Because there's a weird story about the whole original McDonald's and the McDonald brothers and the whole nine. Sure, yeah. I do know this. Yeah. I went to the original Hardee's in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Wow. Which, by the way, it was nothing to see. <laughs> it really was kind of scary. They usually aren't, yeah. yeah you know, the original Taco Bell opened mm -hmm. in California in the 1960s. Now, yeah. if you're going to give us the original Taco Bell story that it opened in California, and you cannot give us the specific date, you're just saying in the 60s? Right, I mean, yeah. you realize, you know, that that's from when in the early, you know, like 1960, well, if it opened then, Eisenhower was the president, you know? Mm -hmm. Um you know, JFK took over, you know, in 61. Um, if it was in 69, well, then Nixon's your president. Right. That's a pretty yeah. busy decade. We yeah. started the decade off where we were hoping we could get a, a rocket to not explode on the pad. And by 1969, we're landing a man on the moon. Right. So I'd kind of like, if you're going to talk about the original Taco Bell, I'd like to have a, a more direct time. That's all. Well, what if we're not talking about the original Taco Bell? But that's what it says. The first line, yeah. the original Taco Bell opened in California yeah. in the 1960s. Yeah. I want the story to end there and tell me all about the original. That's what I want. Well, I know that's not what it's about. I know you, that. But that's to, what I want. Get used to living with disappointment, Dave. I'm, Mark, how long have we known one another? I wake before my feet hit the ground. Hit the ground I, know. You know? I know. I know. Who am I going to fail today? <laughs> well, I... Uh, it, it did open sometime in the 60s, became America's favorite taco spot. In 2018, they even beat out competitors like Chipotle and Moe's Southwestern Grill for the U.S.'s favorite Mexican restaurant. You remember that vote and everybody going, seriously? You know? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. So you're going to compare a fast food <laughs> yeah, joint exactly, against a yeah. sit-down restaurant yeah. and call yeah. that a contest? Yeah, and the last time I ate at a, at a Taco Bell, I, I threw away what I ordered. I ordered it at the drive-thru and got home and took one bite of it and went, wow, I must have missed something. Took another bite of it and said, oh, no, I didn't, and threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> but while U.S. patrons love the Americanized version of fast food that's branded as Mexican cuisine, the chain failed to win over diners in Mexico, not once, but numerous times. Taco Bell first opened as a taco stand in Mexico City in 1992. However, the Mexican clientele was confused by the menu items, which didn't <laughs> translate to the authentic versions of the dishes they were accustomed to. The stand had to change the tacos on the menu to taco tostadas because the crunchy shells more resembled traditional tostadas than the mm -hmm. tacos Mexican locals knew and loved. They're soft tacos. I mean, you wrap mm -hmm. them up. I mean, anything in a soft tortilla is a taco, basically, in case you didn't know. A short two years later, Taco Bell closed and left Mexico. The wow. company tried again in 2007, this time offering French fries and soft serve ice cream to help appeal to the Americanized version of their other menu items. Locals wow. still couldn't get past the inauthentic versions of their favorite dishes, especially since they had so many different options for getting quick, authentic cuisine in the area. The chain closed all its doors in Mexico in 2010. <laughs> My mom tells this story yeah. <laughs> about one of their one of her, her many, many trips to Cozumel, Mexico, where uh, she's on a, a, a snorkeling boat on an excursion. 
and there's a woman there who's obviously off of a cruise ship or something, and she's asking the guy, the the, the helper guy who's not driving the boat, asking the helper, hey, can you suggest a good place for some great tacos? Mm-hmm. And he suggests a restaurant that's near the hotels. She says, yeah, we tried that, didn't like it. Any place else? And he gives her two or three suggestions. And she says, no, after we've tried all of these and we just aren't happy with anything we found yet. Is there any other place we can get some good tacos? And he looks at her and says, lady, we don't have Taco Bell here. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, when you're talking about your mom yeah. and her travels of, uh, you know, <laughs> looking for a good taco and the guy <laughs> saying they don't talk. You know, when I was a kid, my mother, um, you know, she was a single mom for a while in the 60s when mm, she and yeah. my dad divorced. Yeah. And, uh, Interesting. They divorced in the early sixties and he went to Pepperdine and studied, uh, theology, you know, oh. anyway. Oh. Yeah. But back in the day, my mom, when she cooked, um, and this is the, the little things you remember as a kid, she cooked traditional Mexican food. Okay. Hmm. So when we, as my brother and I thought of Mexican food, we didn't think of Taco Bell. No, right? we no. thought of corn tortillas that were not that crunchy like a chip you know right, that yeah. they were corn tortillas but they were lightly fried uh, in oil so that they would bend over without falling apart but right. that was it you know yeah. and you didn't have a sauce mixture with the meat you know it was different yeah and anyway you know you get used to eating in a certain way and i would go, i remember going to a friend's house and they had they, they were serving tacos okay i was a kid i was probably six or seven years old mark and I'm not kidding. They said, hey, we're having tacos. You want to join? I'm like, yes, I love tacos. And they had a taco kit, right, with the crunchy taco shells and everything. Old El Paso. And, and the, yeah, and the meat had <laughs> sauce in it and stuff. And it was like I knew better than to say anything, okay, right. because I was taught not to. <laughs> but I'm eating that, and I'm going, this is not what we have for tacos. And I loved it. I thought, this is really good. Yeah, yeah. And And so I remember, you know, saying something to my mom about it and she was like well you know that's kind of the american fast food thing dave yeah. we don't do that you know and ultimately the reason is there were five kids in my family two adults so you got seven people believe me those kids you'd have had to have three to feed cox's army okay yeah so it, it was cheaper to do it the other way but as a kid i wanted that one i wanted the you know those yeah. that that was like eating out and uh, as I got older, um, when I could actually do that, and I did for a couple of years, I realized I wanted what my mom made. And thankfully, I was able to talk to her before she passed away. And I said, can you tell me how you made those when we were kids? Because I'd really like to have that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so she did. She explained how to actually make a real traditional Mexican dinner. So I do that for myself sometimes. Mm. But I, I did it for company one time several years ago. And realized nobody liked it except for me because yeah, they weren't yeah. used to it. Yeah. You know, they were used to the, yeah, you know, whatever. Right. It's I got like, you. Yeah. May as well just drive through Taco Bell and bring that home, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm really hungry now, Mark. I apologize. <laughs> well, so am I. Show might be over. Hey, yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know mark whenever there's a term there is a term used for a television show it has peaked and now here's the sign that it's going downhill yeah and it's actually called jumping the shark Mm. 
it actually refers to a Happy Days episode yep. when the Fonz, not on his motorcycle, but on a pair of skis, jumped a shark. Right. Okay, in the water. Yep. Jumping the shark. Yep. So whenever I see a, a story that has jump and shark in it, mm -hmm. that's what I think of. So here you go. Yep. Diver nearly jumps into mouth of tiger shark. Yeah. A marine conservationist getting ready to get into the water was caught on camera nearly jumping into the mouth of a curious shark. The, ca huh. the video captured by Juan Oliphant shows marine biologist Ocean Ramsey preparing to jump oh, off a Oh, come boat. on now. I come know. Come on now. I know. I thought a marine biologist yes. named Ocean uh, Ramsey. That's convenient. Somebody had a name change. She's yeah. preparing to jump off a boat when a tiger shark swims up to the ladder and shows its teeth right where she would have hit the water. <gasps> It shows her laugh and greet the shark, which she said is named Queen Nikki. She says, I love that tiger shark. I grew up with that tiger shark. I think we were teenagers at the same time. <laughs> so I've known her wow. for over 20 years. She said Nikki was apparently reacting to her approaching the water too fast. Quote, I saw her and she was close enough with enough speed that it looked like she was actually going to uh, going at maybe my fin tips. Uh, they were a bunch. There were a bunch of little schooling fish under, so I could see her speed, and, and I knew I needed to back off in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. She says the video could be seen as an educational experience. She says they're wild animals. They are they are apex predators, but they're not monsters, and that's what I want to make sure it doesn't make sure it doesn't come across. Yeah, nice. your little pal. You know, if you had jumped in, your little pal would not be holding your hand. No, your pal would be eating it. That's right. You are part of the food chain. <laughs> that's part of it i've seen this video and it's and she's she literally she's got the tips of her fins in the water she's got those two mm. feet down that ladder on the side and she's mm. leaning over about to put oh. her face in the water oh. and you can see this thing come up and she wow. scrambles and gets out of its way when it comes up wow she literally almost jumped right in its mouth that would have been your ultimate uh, seafood drive-thru right <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show and for all of you who have uh, downloaded the app for tiktok you realize you've opened yourself up to you know letting the chinese government have access mm. to all your stuff yep but uh, you know what i say that like it's a big big deal right yeah, you know what chances are there are 20 other things that we use every day that do the same thing you know mm -hmm. there's an actual whole computer like the lenovo brand Right, you know, that yeah. comes loaded with stuff for the government of yeah. China. Yeah, they, yeah, the government, our government, wouldn't allow anybody to use Lenovo computers because they're right. they're built with they're already built with spy technology. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I digress because here we go. TikTok chefs. Mm hmm. A pair of TikTok chefs broke a Guinness World Record. It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. <laughs> you know, Mark, yes. it just hit me. All right. We love y'all. Thank you for joining us. Yes. That little part right there, during the holiday season, if you haven't seen a Christmas story and this year you watch it, you're going to, there will be context for that opening for our, yes, that we use for Guinness Book of World Records. And it's going to, you're going to be watching it. You're going to go, oh, that's where it came from. <laughs> Those two guys standing on the street in the snow. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh,
I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> a pair of TikTok chefs broke a Guinness World Records by assembling a seven foot one inch sushi roll and broke another record in the process. Nick DiGiovanni and Lynn, also known as Linja Davis, teamed up once again in Boston to assemble the massive sushi roll from 2,000 pounds of rice, 500 pounds of salmon, 500 pounds of cucumbers, thousands of nori sheets, and millions of sesame seeds. In the process, the pair also broke the record for fastest time to fillet a 10-pound fish, achieving <laughs> the feat in a minute and, 20, and .29 seconds to take wow. the record from famed chef Gordon Ramsay. Ah, the pair then broke the record for largest sushi roll uh, width. Then the final product was measured at seven feet and one inch wide. The sushi roll was then donated to a Boston homeless shelter. Ah, okay. Hmm. Huh. Gordon Ramsay was available for comment. His he said. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show you know whenever i see the word parisian uh, i think that's just a neat name for paris you know and people from paris yes. parisian um but it's not nearly as good as what they call the people from liverpool oh liverpudlians liverpudlians yes yeah <laughs> so then in a beatles documentary and even to this i've never heard it used with anybody else in any other thing, but in that Beatles documentary where they referred to the Liverpudlians, it's like that owns me. I don't know why, but Parisian, yeah, that comes right up there for some reason. Mm, people around the, it's kind of like how they refer to canines or Bruins, you know that. Thing. That's right. Yes. Well, there's an undertaker named Isabel Plumero. She cycled around Paris on a recent autumn day with a bicycle hearse. She hopes huh. will soon bring a new green way of conducting funerals to the French capital. Oh, come on now. Uh-huh. Quieter, environmentally conscious burials are a small but growing trend. And Plumero says transporting the coffin with a specially designed cargo bike can confer a more down-to-earth uh, pace to a funeral. While the bicycle hearses already uh, do exist at a, in a few other countries, including Switzerland and Denmark, hers would be the first in France, according to the 51-year-old undertaker. <laughs> she says, for me, it makes sense to combine the bicycle and the hearse because when we talk about bicycles in Paris, we're talking about soft mobility. And if there's one way when we need softness, it's the day when we accompany someone we love to their final resting place. Everyone walks at the same pace behind a bicycle hearse, and we hear each other. We hear the sounds of nature around us, the wind in the trees, the birds. In my view, this is the best way to console yourself. Plumero says she already had official authorizations to use the bicycle hearse after adapting it to French regulations and was just waiting for the green light from her insurer to get started. <laughs> well... Oddly enough, the Amish are now suing because this is something they've been doing forever. And, uh, <laughs> wait, really a minute, be wait a minute, green. don't they use horses, though? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. But you know what, Mark? If you're worried about being green, first of all, let's get rid of the casket. Mm. You know, by yeah, the way, casket true. is the big, not a coffin. A coffin is just, you know, a piece of wood nailed together and right. body in it. Yeah. Casket is the uptown version. Right. But, if you really want to be green, it wouldn't it be better to just take the body, mm -hmm. okay? And if you want to bury it, bury it, you know, without anything. Yeah. Don't put no embalming fluid, no nothing. Just bury it there in the dirt, and it becomes worm food. 
or take it out of the ocean. Now it becomes, okay. you know, food. Any way you look at it, mm. dead bodies can be food for other animals. We That's don't have true. to bury. It seems like burying them in a metal basket, you know, in a spam can and keeping it, you know, that seems like a much worse thing for the environment than mm. just taking the bodies and throwing them. They're, you know, again, I know I feel differently about dead yeah. bodies than anybody. I know that. Yeah. But the fact that I'm I, right and you're wrong doesn't mean yeah. that big a It's deal. interesting that this is, you know, when it comes to the funeral industry, the French have done what they generally do. They surrendered. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, as we wind things down today, we appreciate you. We really do. And um, we always ask that you share this with somebody having problems with the uh, main website today i'm yeah. working on it but it doesn't prevent you from being able to listen so that's right but, that's why we tell you get the app the app is yeah the download the app go to your app store i mean if you it if you're listening too. right now you are on the app right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well <laughs> because you're not listening on the website today yeah. that's for sure yeah. Uh, so this is what you're listening to us on the website right now we'd like to know how because impossible <laughs> yeah I'm, our our, our right. web server uh updated something and when they updated something they broke something else that <laughs> nothing yeah. will just none of the pages will show so uh, since something bad happened with the internet and our webs it's probably my fault no. i mean i probably tried to do something to help last week Man. and i forgot and well, just messed it up well, now but, you know now you know what i'll be doing today there you go, Mark, fixing up my mess. So here yeah, we go. Final break. Deer hunter stuck upside down in a tree. Yeah. This is one of those things, Mark. I think that there are a lot of uh, story. A lot of people get um, hurt or have a weird story to tell mm. that has to do with deer um, being in the woods in the dark in the cold. In the trees. And, although yeah. today it's what, going to be 95 in Alabama? I, mean, I, I don't know, like, yeah. I know, somebody, back to, <laughs> I know somebody that ended up in a situation like this once. Okay. Yeah, it, authorities in Texas worked with first responders to rescue a deer hunter who was stuck upside down 18 feet up a tree in a, star, in a, in a, a climbing stand. Sheriff Brian Weatherford of the Tyler County Sheriff's Office says the the hunter was rescued last Monday afternoon in the Sperger area. This uh, it's bow hunting season for deer hunters, gun hunting beginning. Uh, I think it might have happened this coming week, this past weekend, when the guns were allowed. Deputy Corey LeBlanc said the hunter called nine one one at about four twenty five p.m. saying he needed hey, help. Oh man. I yeah. thought it was a.m. Yeah, okay. I, I did for a second, too, but it was in the afternoon. Okay. He was saying he needed help getting down after falling out of his deer climb, and he got stuck. He was trying to reach his hunting partner, but he couldn't, said LeBlanc. He was able to call 911, and we made contact with him. His friend helped us reach the exact location. He was high off the ground with his right foot wedged in the framework of the climbing stand. Wow. It's a good thing uh, his foot was wedged in between the framework. Uh LeBlanc said it was his first time dealing with this type of thing, but it happens. It's not uncommon. His advice to hunters is that this is a prime example of the need to use a safety harness. He's lucky his phone didn't hit the ground. He'd been hanging, he'd been hanging long enough that his fluids and blood were rushing to his head. He'd been hanging for an hour and a half. Can you imagine hanging ah. upside down for 90 minutes? No. They got, no. To, they got him down around 530. The hunter wow. said, use a harness. It it was in my truck. I've done this all my life, fishing and hunting. I just got complacent. Wow. So don't get Man. complacent. Use your safety measures. My friend had that happen to him. He told the story one uh, Monday morning staff meeting. He told the story about how over the weekend, um, 
something happened to him and he almost didn't make it to work because wow. I mean, if he'd been out there for any length of time, he would have died. Right. So mm-hmm. that the same, per, same kind of thing happened to him. He got tangled up in his stand and, and, and tripped and fell and was hanging many, many feet off the ground upside down and finally figured out how to get out of it. But he was a very fit guy. Like he's like a, a CrossFit mm-hmm. guy, right? So he's right. He's in, in great shape. So he was able to contort himself up and get himself out of his situation. The average wow. hunter, I could not do that. <laughs> I would dare say, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, I'm freaking out just thinking about it. Oh, I know. Hanging upside down, 18 feet off the ground. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.